0: I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training and I offer transformational coaching, but that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters,
1: wives, and friends. We're always learning and we've both experienced healing by what we
0: teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life.
1: Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others
0: who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. So today, we're going to talk about the importance of knowing what makes us feel good and knowing what doesn't serve us and how committing to feeling good might actually be the most important thing that we do in a day. But first, we'll start with our our typical question to one another, and we didn't ask it last week and people missed it. So I love asking people this question. Honestly, it's the way to get a great conversation going. And that is, where am I finding you today, Amy? You're you're in your mind and where your body is and how your heart is. You
1: are finding me in my new home, We are finally moved, and so I am sitting here in our new place. I'm still surrounded by some boxes, and there is no art or pictures on the walls yet. They're all sitting on the floors, but we are officially 100% out of the old place and into the new place, and our house is sold and officially closed, so that also greatly affects my mind. I feel like I have so much more space in my mind now that I have moved past that. And my heart is excited and open to new possibilities that this new place is going to offer us. So
0: it's also cold and dreary and rainy here. But other than that,
1: that's where you find me. How about you?
0: You sound lighter, and it's such an example as we speak week to week. That everything is temporary and that emotions are fluid. And when we're in the middle of it, it's hard to remember that, but we will come out the other side in whatever time that takes and whatever that looks like. You know, there's no right way to do it, but it's inspiring, really. You know, I keep reading that it's a spiritual ideal to think about not being affected by the external world around us so much, but that's impossible. When when life hands us some situations, it's going to throw mm-hmm. us.
1: I was trying to find the spiritual lesson last week when my husband brought absolutely every single thing we owned out of the basement and put it in our living room. <laughs> and ah. I just completely shut down, you know, like, oh my God, how are we going to deal with all of this stuff? And why do we have this stuff? And I could feel the physical weight of the stuff and that was that was a, a a spiritual lesson i guess in just putting one foot in front of the other and just doing the next thing and that's how i got through it of that move was was we are safe we have a home we have our health this is just stuff and This is your stuff and you get to deal with your stuff and, and definitely a lesson on what we need and what we don't need. And why are we hanging on to things that don't serve us anymore? Literally. And being able to release that attachment. We have this idea that sometimes we will have these things forever and, Move them from place to place to place, and it's just like carrying literally baggage from one place to the next. And it was really freeing, and I am much lighter now having moved through that experience. And I don't know if it would, if I would do it again so soon, but I do think that moving and Having to deal with your stuff that is in all the nooks and crannies and closets, literally and figuratively, and yeah. cleaning house is, is really healing. And it, I, I'm not ready to do it again so soon, but I do think it is a practice that people might want to undertake routinely just to lighten the load of everything that they have mm-hmm. in their lives.
0: It makes me think about the concept from Carl Jung's work when you were telling me about your husband bringing everything from the basement up. If we dream about houses or if we think about houses symbolically, I don't know a ton about this, but I do know that a house is representative of, of us and our minds and the basement is supposed to be that deep subconscious. (laughs) So (laughs) I was just thinking of everything, everything being brought up to the surface for you. Exactly
1: what it felt like. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with any of this. And I had to deal with it. So yes, I can totally relate that that is just like Carl Jung's description of your subconscious past and just stuffing stuff down into the basement and slamming the door. So you don't have to look at it.
0: Yeah. Keeping it in the shadows, keeping it in the dark and you couldn't anymore. It had to come out to the light and be dealt with God.
1: And it was, it was, so it's done. And I'm so happy to be on this side of it. So happy to be on the side of it.
0: Yeah. It, Like I say, it's really inspiring to be reminded that everything is temporary. And where you're finding me, of course, it's the first day of a new month, November 1st. And I have to say, um, it's a little funny that for me, I'm happy that Halloween is over because it has been quite Mm. a journey taking our puppy out for a walk with Halloween decorations everywhere around the neighborhood. (laughs) Oh, Bowie. there's so many people do such a good job of decorating for Halloween and there's skeletons and witches and you know, something new pops up every day. And my dog, she's just showing me how high she can jump in terror when (laughs) she comes across, you know, a six foot tall scarecrow with a jack-o'-lantern face. Oh, I mean, it's been slightly humorous, but on the other hand, it's going to be easier to walk her now that the Halloween decorations are away. So you find me on um, the first day of November excited for some renewal, and in my mind, I'm feeling really grateful, and that's because of what I'm going to share today and how I've been managing myself because I'm still a little bit in the midst of something that life has handed me, and we can't go through this life without having situations arise that are going to be triggering, that are going to create pressure in our lives Um, when we're a part of a family when we're running a household, there's there's going to be pressures and and there's some pressures happening. So I made a choice to sort of live very intentionally. So I'm feeling grateful in my mind because of that. And as for my heart, my heart is feeling just soft, just soft and and open. And I'm feeling humbled, you know, humbled by life and, and lessons and what I still have to learn and, and what I don't know. That's, that's where Mm, I'm at today. mm.
1: What is, what is the weather like there on November
0: 1st? In Vancouver, we've been having a beautiful fall. It's typically rainy. I remember two Octobers ago, it rained 29 days out of the month of October, Mm. and that was a challenge. But this fall has been glorious it hasn't gotten too cold it's crisp but the sun has been bright and there are still many of the leaves on the trees like we live in a forest here in Vancouver and in the area that I live in the trees are just leaves are gold and red and yellow it's it's an absolute show it's hard to just stay present and want to take not want to take millions of pictures every time I go for a walk So going for several walks a day has also been really supportive. And that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about today is at all times, really, but when we're in the face of feeling pressure and when life is getting real, I think that's the important time to figure out what makes you feel good and to commit yourself to doing the things that make you feel good, because that can be the hardest time to stay with not just even yogic practice or meditations. I'm not even talking about that, but whatever makes you feel good and healthy and strong and vital, you know, we typically know what those things are. And then we also know what makes us feel not so good. And when we're not, when things aren't going exactly as we would like them to, It's so easy to move into things that also don't make us feel good because often we're reaching for comfort and some of those coping mechanisms may make us feel worse. And then it's harder for us to deal with what life is handing us. So the last couple of weeks, I've been committing myself to figuring out, first of all, what makes me feel good and then doing those things. And it's been very simple, but... The number one change that I made is I started going back almost daily to public yoga classes. And that might seem funny to hear a yoga teacher say, Well, you know, I haven't gone to public yoga classes for a while. I teach public yoga classes. But that's just because I am in love with my practice, my personal practice, so much. And it happens before anybody else wakes up in the morning, it's my sacred time. And I can give myself exactly what I need. You know, I have the gift of knowing what's gonna serve my low back today, what's gonna be good for my hips. I know what my energy level is, so I can personalize practices that are gonna help me feel my best. But what we get when we go to any sort of public group, you know, some of our listeners might go to church or you might go to any sort of meetup. Um there's support groups that give us this. When we are in the room with several other people and we are there for this like-minded purpose, when we are there maybe for something a little bit bigger than us as an individual, it's connecting. And whether we know it or not, it's softening for us and it's heart opening, especially if we're in a situation like a yoga class or group meditation, something where other people around you might be experiencing of a wider perspective, might be experiencing a shift in their heart. And I'm using that word obviously symbolically, but they might be experiencing um, a heart opening. You know, we feel that on some level. And I've been missing that. This entrepreneurial life, this working from home, practicing alone, it can be isolating. And you walk around in this big city and... You'll pass people and maybe you'll look to them for a smile, but people are in the habit of not even meeting each other's eyes and we're all walking around with you know headphones in the ears. So it's easy to feel isolated, but sometimes we might feel low and less than our best and not even realize that that could help us is just connecting with someone in person or connecting with a group. Mm-hmm. So I have, I didn't even make it a intention to go every day, but I'm very blessed in the neighborhood that I live at that the studio that I actually teach at Semper Viva here in Vancouver, they have four locations. So at any time during the day, you can look at their schedule and you can find a class. And that's what I've been doing. I've daily been just fitting one in. And I do want to talk a little bit just because I am a therapeutic yoga teacher about how to keep yourself feeling good in the context of a yoga class. Because knowing what I know now, both about what's happening on a physical level and a mental level, there's a lot of things in a yoga class that can be triggering for us and that maybe aren't helpful for our physical body. So I did want to talk a little bit about that. Um, But what's coming up for you so far is I'm like, sharing that this is what I'm doing every day, because I know it makes me feel good, even though public yoga classes, uh, it can be problematic for some people. But they make me feel good on another level.
1: Mm -hmm. I was thinking how much I appreciate my public meditation classes that I go to on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I have a meditation practice, like a personal meditation practice, just like you were talking about your personal physical practice or your personal practices at home. And that Tuesday and Thursday class, I almost never miss. I'm always there as a student. And it's one of the most important appointments of the week for me to show up. And it is the community, like you talked about. It's the, the sangha the gathering of like-minded people and the support that you can find there. And for me, it, it just allows me that time to receive as opposed to try to create this practice at home and, and be distracted or be frustrated and allow somebody else to take the reins for 45 minutes or so. And it is one of the most important things that I do for myself to feel good is that group meditation practice on tuesdays and thursdays
0: yeah because there's so much that we can't control that's coming up we all know that but we can control the actions that we take to support ourselves and that's the case i'm making during this episode today is when life gets real what can you do to prioritize feeling good because it's in those moments that it's hardest to get moving. It might even feel hard to get out of bed. So, what is some one simple thing that we can do in order just to feel a little bit better? Because if we create that, if we create that shift within, then we're going to be better able to deal with what's coming up most of the time. You know, I'm talking about the daily pressures of everyday life. Um, so, I agree. That's what we can control we can control the actions that we are taking. And we can control the actions that we're taking within these different situations as well. I did wanna speak a little bit to public yoga classes and they're so wonderful on so many levels. And I love living in a city where yoga is such a big deal and there's always a full room to practice with, it's beautiful. And within the context of a typical yoga class, there's a lot happening that may not be serving your body. And I look around as a teacher, and I'm not looking around as a student necessarily, but you do notice that people are moving to places that maybe are not helpful for their bodies because they feel like they have to, because that's being offered or that's being directed. And I'm really happy to see that. Yoga is really moving into a place of no have-tos and no shoulds and more teachers are creating invitations rather than directions and really encouraging everybody to listen to their body. But even that isn't easy because we haven't been taught to stay connected to our body. So I just want to offer here um, as a therapeutic yoga teacher that there are a lot of forward folds happening in our physical yoga practices. And I went to one last night and there must've been over half the class where we were in a standing forward fold. And that is so challenging for our low Mm -hmm. backs. (laughs) You know, if I'm going to be going to a situation where I want to feel better afterwards, then we've got to be making choices that are going to support that. We're going to be feeling vital body, mind, and heart. So there was a lot of opportunities where We were supposed to be in a forward fold or that was the direction, but I was taking a squat or standing you know, it takes a lot of presence and experience and body awareness to know how deeply we almost need to have our knees bent when we're forward folding in order to keep the spine nice and long rather than rounding it. There's so many challenges with rounding it. So I just wanted to put that out there in this format because when I am teaching, I do see that it's almost impossible not to round in the low back and that can become challenging over time. So I want And I also wanted to say that a seated forward fold, that's something that I'm not teaching at the time because it's also challenging for most of us to be seated and, you know, stretching your hamstrings when you're seated on the ground. It's challenging to do that and not be rounding in the spine. And so many of us in our day-to-day lives are sitting and we're slouching. So I feel like we don't need that on the yoga mat. I feel like maybe the yoga mat is a place to balance that and be drawing the shoulders back and learning to extend the spine a little bit more. So I just wanted to put that out there to our listeners who are interested in yoga or going to public yoga classes. It's wonderful on so many levels, but I would encourage you to make choices on the mat that really serve you. And then there are some things that are said in yoga classes that might not make us feel good, even though we're going there to feel good. And I notice every once in a while I'll hear the term level one, you'll do this, level two, you'll do this, level three, you'll do this. And I just wanted to offer that, you know, the way that we hear that may not be helpful for having a beautiful experience. Not that yoga is always going to be a beautiful experience, but the way that we might hear that oh, well, I'm not, you know, I guess I'm, I'm not at a high level here if I'm not going to be moving into level two or level three. And then it might force some personalities to want to move into a shape that maybe isn't appropriate for them because it's been positioned in that way. So I would also offer that instructions like one option could be this, you know, one option could be this many different options, many different ways to move. There's not one that's better or worse. That's what I've learned over the years. So um, going back into the yoga room in such a regular way has really helped my practice because I'm noticing how I'm responding to different directions as a student. So it's been such a great learning. And then I'm responding to what I'm doing with my body on such a deeper level. When I first came to a yoga practice I was absolutely driving my body hard because I wasn't very connected to my body at all and I almost think that I needed that I needed that more kickier asana um, tough yoga class in order to feel something in my body so that was serving me in that way but then I ended up hurting myself So it's just the path of learning what makes you feel good. And I'm talking about it for a moment in the context of a yoga room. But I would invite us to consider what actually makes us feel good when it comes to what we're thinking about, what we're doing, what we're eating, the people that we're spending time with. What is having an effect that is creating a more positive condition in your energy, in your mind, in your heart? And what are you doing that isn't maybe supporting that feeling good? And is it harder to move into the next right action when things aren't going well, when you're resisting reality?
1: Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up the forward folds because I, I don't, I do not like seated forward folds in my own practice. I don't like the way they feel in my body. And so I appreciate that that's what you offered, because I don't like them. (laughs) And I don't teach them either.
0: Yeah, it was just as I was knowing that I was going to talk about how I've been heading back into more public yoga classes as a student. I just Yeah, I wanted to put that out there. I've been reading that more because I'm reading about yoga. And I'm just actively constantly learning about the new science that's coming out and movement. Mm -hmm. Not everybody may be doing that so yeah, it just feels like something good to put out there if you're in a class and you're seated and then you're cued to fold over the legs you know you can always lay on your back that's actually such a great way to stretch out the hamstrings is to lay on your back and you know you can use a belt or a strap or the wall mm-hmm. to support those those legs in order to stretch the hamstring but that's going to be a way where your spine can stay nice and extended. And you can be engaging your core a little bit more. And overall, that's that's likely gonna help you feel better. You know, there there can't be one way for everyone. So um, you know, I'd caution against having black and white thinking. Mm-hmm. There might be a, a there might be a body where forward folding is is absolutely beautiful if people that can have that core engagement and keep the spine nice and long. Wonderful. But I agree. I guess I'm speaking more for myself and what I'm seeing in the room as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Lots of, lots of rounded spines and and we don't necessarily want that. There can be a lot of things that are going on with our spine that can be contraindicated when it comes to rounding them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And and hopefully there's teachers that are have the awareness of what's going on in the room but that you know classes can be big or they could be caught up in their own issues you know teaching and they might not recognize that in their students so so important for the students to have their own autonomy and their own agency over their experience that they're having
0: but how do you feel about committing to feeling good like when even thinking about that even really going into that doesn't a lot come up like well you know there's so many things that i have to do and and i should do there's a quality of having to earn it before we do something that makes us feel good or maybe not prioritizing activities that would make us feel good because our responsibilities need to come first Like, what comes up for you when, you know, we know the truth that when we're feeling better in our day, we're actually accomplishing more and having more positive interactions. I mean, this is simple stuff. We know this, but why is it so hard to give it to ourselves? Why do I need to make this strong intention that every day I'm going to make a commitment to make myself feel good first?
1: Because as a society, we are we martyr ourselves on how much we can squeeze into a day and how much more we can do and how much more we can achieve. And, and so we don't give ourselves permission maybe to do less or to do that thing that is completely self-serving and not serving anyone else. Like it's a societal thing. It's not just a Lisa or anything. We're not, we're we're not given permission as a society to do that.
0: Yeah, and I would suggest too that activities that make us feel good that we might categorize as being self-serving actually they are serving because I know when I'm doing something that opens up my heart and makes me feel so much better, I know that I'm a better mother and I'm a better partner and friend and I'm more present in my life. So doing something first to take care of ourselves first that actually makes more sense, but it is a huge shift in my mind. Totally, totally. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by A Radiant Year, our monthly program that sends you a class that we create for you every week offering therapeutic yoga and Ayurveda skills to support you in practicing real self-care.
1: We design these classes to help you integrate simple and powerful tools into your life to help you move worry and overwhelm and cultivate more contentment and
0: vitality. Enrollment opens next on December 6th for you to join us for a radiant winter. It's your chance to gather tools to feel more vibrant and at peace during the shorter days and cooler weather will begin on winter solstice.
1: Learn and grow with us seasonally or yearly. Head to aradiantyear.com to get on the wait list.
0: So what about you? Uh, You know, You shared that going to meditation twice a week, that's something that you make a priority that makes you feel good, but you just went through, you know, you just went through a time where there's very little time. And those are the times that I'm talking about when life gets More challenging for us, you know. I would say that that's the time to squeeze in those moments to support ourselves, but it is harder. Where was that for you? Were you doing anything, even small things, that supported you through it?
1: So my go-to, where I start to get very rigid boundaries around, is sleep. And Mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, being a mother and a grandmother, and a partner. I can be pulled in so many different directions that need my attention or need me to respond or need me to do something or be somewhere. And I could work on the business till all hours of the night. I could be on my computer till two o'clock in the morning. There, there's not a definite stop time when you lead the kind of life that you and I lead, you know, work doesn't have an end time typically, you know, we don't get off work at five Mm -hmm. o'clock. And so for me, that can be something that can suffer is my sleep. And so I have doubled down on my bedtime and how late the computer is out and the phone and responding. And, you know, when you work in, in the environment that we work in, um, you know, yoga teachers can be up at all hours of the morning. And so I could start to get texts at four 30 in the morning, (laughs) you know, from, from some of the yoga teachers. And I, I initially felt very called to respond right away to everything, to every email, to every text, to every phone call, to whatever was pulling me. And then I have returned to those boundaries, you know, 9 PM, we're done 5 30 in the morning, we can start again. And between those hours, I'm pretty hardcore about my sleep. And my husband can attest to if I don't get my required sleep. (laughs) And like you said, it doesn't serve anyone else. If I stay up too late working on things that could have waited until the morning. So Absolutely. Like we have this idea we have to do one more thing or we have to get it all done before we allow ourselves to rest or allow ourselves to feel good. But when it comes to sleep, I know that everyone around me will be better served, including myself, but definitely everyone around me, if I stop at probably about nine probably about nine o'clock is where I'd like to stop. And I don't do that anymore. I don't stay up all night, and I don't stay up when I'm tired. If I have a moment where I have, I feel good and I feel energized or inspired, then I may, you know, push that a little bit. But for the most part, if I'm tired, I'm done, and I don't, I do not push myself in those areas of being without sleep because I do not function at a high level when I have not slept.
0: Mm-hmm. It does take it takes a certain amount of discipline in order to take ourselves away from responsibilities and checking off one other thing on the list in order to take care of ourselves. And because I didn't want to, I didn't want to set up a situation for myself in these times where there are a few more worries than typical. I didn't want to set up a situation where I felt bad as well. And I really succumbed to what if thinking and pressure and concern. And I know that what also makes me feel good is going for walks out in nature. I mentioned what it's like in in the city right now. It's incredibly inspiring. And I feel really fortunate to live in a city that's close to the water. And it's been shown actually that even just looking at a body of water out in nature can help to calm the mind. So even though I have pages left to write or there are more tasks to be done, you know, if I was at a formal job, I would have breaks. I don't have a lunch break. So I'm attempting to get better at giving myself those breaks and going out for a morning walk and then an afternoon walk. And I've been using walks as little posts of shifts in where my energy is going in the day. So I'll work on one project and then it's a walk and then back to work and then another walk and then my daughter will come home from school and that will sort of shift me into that mode so that I've taken care of myself. There's a lot to be said for getting some fresh air, getting some sunlight, even though the sun might be behind the clouds. That does have an effect on our inner bodies, our more subtle aspects of who we are. It creates an opportunity for us to stop looking down at our tasks and look around especially if we let ourselves go for a walk and just listen to the sound of nature, even though it can be so tempting to want to listen to a podcast or listen to music. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I do that on certain walks too. But to really give ourselves the space to completely disengage and feel more connected to the world around us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, You know, you hear it all the time about filling your own cup and putting your own life your, you know, oxygen mask on, but Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of conscious effort to do, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but the payoff is just Mm -hmm.
0: huge. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to share that. I got so intentional with it, actually, that I sat down and I wrote down what makes me feel good. And I committed to myself that I were, was going to do these things. And I'm just so happy to say that it's working Mm -hmm. The other thing that I wrote down that I was surprised by is we were in such a busy flow of life for a while that I wasn't cooking as much. Mm-hmm. We were picking up things that were easy. We were ordering in. I I, I don't know what I think about all of these Doordash <laughs> and Skip the things. like. I think I love them, but I also think it makes it so easy. Know. You know, like oh, I'm too tired. Let's not cook. I can't think of what I want to oh. eat. But I really love to create meals for my family. And it's got something to do with this time of year, moving away from, you know, something cooler and easily easier to eat and just pick up and moving into foods that are warmer and that you're cooking and spending time in the kitchen. And I've been really enjoying that. I've been enjoying on the afternoon walk Walking, because I, I just love that I am able to walk to a grocery store where I live, um, just walking to the grocery store and picking up what I want to create for dinner that night and creating dinner and taking the time and being really present with that, getting back to cooking for myself and my family has brought me a lot of joy. And I even feel like the food that I'm making is making me feel so much better in my body.
1: Mm-hmm. And just the way you described it too, that cooking for your family, you know that you're infusing that food with love and intention and how that just resonates when they eat it, like the impact that you're having on their health and wellness by cooking that for them.
0: And I think in times when there is more pressure and there is more stress and there is less time, it's also so easy to go for food that maybe makes us feel good for the short term or it makes us feel good on some level like sometimes we do need to feed the soul it can't always be about you know the next right action when it comes to food but i have really been craving whole foods and i also think this has to do with what i'm learning but the more we do nourish ourselves as well as we can i never want to create more pressure by talking this way but you know the more that we can just eat Regularly and and eat as much fresh food as we can, foods that are higher in prana. We will notice that we feel better, and and I just think that w- we're smart, right? When we notice what makes us feel good in our bodies and what um, allows our digestion to function well and what sustains our energy, and we're not having a huge crash in the afternoon. When we notice that, then it's easier to continue to make those choices, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that is just what happens, and. I have made a conscious decision that I'm not reaching for what would comfort me in times of stress typically. And that would be, um, I can say a little bit too much sugar, especially at night, and then that would interrupt my sleep. And then I've been really consciously moving away and we've talked about this before, but um, you know, I haven't been drawn to wine or beer or alcohol mm-hmm. as I would have been in the past. Mm-hmm in times where there was more pressure. The last time I did, and because I'm learning to be more and more and more present with what's happening within, you know, it 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 didn't make me feel better. And that's just for me. And we we shared an entire episode about our our journey with alcohol. And, you know, I'm still I'm still open to what that will be for me. But you know, it's something that's been set down for quite a while now. And all I know is that I'm feeling good. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm focusing on right now. I'm noticing that, like you said, going to bed at decent times and having a bath before bed and, and like ripping myself away from watching one more episode of Ozark with my husband. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Good. <laughs> because and you know and Netflix makes it too easy because it starts it it starts it in like four seconds and it's hard to stop it before the next one. Stops. I know and then it started so
1: you got to watch it.
0: It's so gripping, I know. But the days that I that I rip myself away and will go and have a bath before bed and give myself a little bedtime ritual. I have a better sleep, and I feel better in the morning. And then, you know, I thank myself in the morning. So, bath, sleep, those make me feel good. Um, not too much sugar at night; that makes me feel better. Practicing regular relaxation throughout the day. Oh my gosh, when you check in with yourself, well, I don't want to. I don't want to project anything on you, but I wonder if we checked in on ourselves every hour or so what the state of our shoulders and jaw and belly would be you know if we would find tension there if we would find that we were really breathing but regular relaxation easing tension and then finally the last thing that i came up with and these are just like super real world things is i'm looking for ways to inspire myself actively rather than looking for ways to distract myself so this is something else that's making me feel good. I have lots of podcasts that I'll listen to that are more distracting, but then I have books all around me that are incredibly inspiring and, and nature and art and poetry. And you can get out of the habit of opening yourself up like that. So that's something else that I've been infusing into my life. It doesn't take long to read a page or two, you know, or even five to 10 pages of a book that you've got around that you've been meaning to read. You know, I, I think we, we add so much pressure to ourselves by having these intentions that we're not following through on, but even just a page a day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you feel so inspired after reading that page of something that you've been longing to read.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of what doesn't make us feel good and what doesn't serve us. And it, how could we edit that? you know take a hard look at that and it could be as simple as looking at our appointment calendar for the week and really giving it a vigorous cleansing of do i have to do these things are they necessary and if they're not or if i could delegate them to someone else or if i just let go of the idea of the guilt if i say no to a social engagement or a dinner or meeting somebody for lunch. Or, you know, for me, I'm so, it, you know, it makes me feel good. And if somebody's like, yeah, I would love to get together for lunch, that makes me feel good that somebody wants to get together with me for lunch. But then I also don't always have to say yes. Does that, is that going to serve me? Or is it going to be one more appointment on the calendar that now I've got? a ton of other stuff to do. And now my, my calendar is very packed and, you know, looking at social engagements and some serve us and some don't. We're moving into that time of year where our, our social calendars are probably going to start to ramp up a little bit with the holidays and one more get together and one more family gathering and one more group of friends. And Yes, those can be very fulfilling, but they can also be extremely taxing. I invite people to look at those situations and are they doing them because of a sense of obligation or are they doing them because they really want to go? And maybe if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. And have that be your mantra that you live with through the holidays. You know, is it a hell yes? Hell yes, I want to go. And if it's a if it's not a hell yes, if it's like, "Oh, maybe." then it's a no and just have it be a no and release that guilt and obligation and free up that space for yourself.
0: Yeah, you're you're talking about discernment. I like that. And yeah, I actually forgot that this is something that I'm doing too. We all have intentions of getting together with certain people that we really like. You know, there's certain people in my life, other other local teachers that I come across when we're just switching classes with one another I'll just see them passing by in the studio and I'll feel so good when I'm around them and I'm so attracted to them and we make these intentions to get together and then we see each other next week oh we got to you know book a time to get together I actually did I I looked in my calendar and I I had some free space and I made plans with a couple of women that I've been wanting to get together with for a really long time. And that makes me feel really good. And I'm excited about those interactions because I know that they're going to be feeding vitality for me. You know, I know that it's not going to be a draining interaction, it's something that's going to be adding something to my life, their perspectives. And, just how I feel getting to know somebody new it's, it's enlivening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I see so many people crawl their way through the holidays and, you know, they feel so depleted by the end of it. And they just, whether it's getting together with family that, you know, you might have discord with, or, you know, another business holiday office party that, you know, and that you feel obligated to go to. And like you said, the discernment, is this really going to serve me in this moment? Or is this going to serve my life? Like, is this going to, am I going to look back in a year and, and be excited about this experience that I had? And if it's, you know, if it's not a yes, it's a no.
0: So, And this time of year, we were just talking about this when we were working on our, our program, A Radiant Year, we're in a radiant fall right now. And this time of year is really about letting go as we get deeper into fall. We can look around, we can see nature doing it. It isn't maybe the time for creating and blossoming and blooming like it is in the spring. It's more about letting things be released and letting things dissolve. It's the other side of the coin from busy, busy and do, do. Can we create space for that as well? And can we even create some time to ask, okay, like you're saying, what could I let go from my schedule and what habit or coping mechanism, um, or something that I'm drawn to doesn't really make me feel good. You know, is it that, that afternoon, um, sugar injection or a cup of coffee that in the moment it feels good, Mm -hmm. but then later on it doesn't serve you at all. You know, these are just, it's kind of fun to, to look at it and get to know ourselves and then explore what it feels like if we were to let it go. And what I like about letting go of behaviors or actions that don't serve us is that we feel so much freedom. We've created space and we all have behaviors that are addictive. We all do. This this life is an addictive life that we live. Mm-hmm. And we can use that nature that we have of being drawn to pleasure. We can use that to replace activities or substances that give us temporary pleasures by doing things that are real healthy revitalizing pleasures. And then we can use that tendency that we have to get really addicted and attached to things for good. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I removed alcohol from my life, the, I felt like the hours in the day doubled. Like I just found all this time that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I had before. And then I had all this time the next day too, because I didn't feel foggy or groggy or hungover or nauseous or whatever, depending on my imbibement the night before. And I, Mm -hmm. that is the one gift of removing alcohol from my life how good i feel in the morning i feel amazing in retrospect okay. to how i felt before
0: yeah i think that on some level going to public yoga classes again is replacing some of the ways i used to spend my evenings because i've been really enjoying going to evening yoga classes either either right before dinner or we'll have dinner a little bit earlier and then i'll go later on and it is such a lovely way to spend the evening and because it's so tempting especially after a long tired day to just get cozy on the couch and believe me I love that and I do that plenty mm-hmm. and and sometimes that's exactly what I need but taking ourselves out into the world into a studio where you know like-minded people are there let's i mean let's think about it no matter the reason for people being there They're there because they want to feel better. Mm -hmm. And that's a powerful situation to be in any group of people that are longing to feel better. And that is, that's just so inspiring. And so I think that I'm addicted to public yoga classes again. (laughs) It's like, it's reminding me of when I first found yoga all those many years ago. I was hooked immediately and I would go every single day and I mean, obviously, it improved my life in so many different ways. But then I had to realize that, you know, I have a tendency to go overboard on everything. The way we do one thing is the way we do everything. So I did go overboard in yoga, and I injured myself. I I pulled a hamstring. Um, uh, I injured a hamstring attachment going too far into a forward fold. <laughs> that's before I knew what I know now. You know, that was in my 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 very beginning days of being a student. And actually, in the community where I came to yoga, hands-on assists were a really big thing. And they're still wonderful, but yoga teachers are really learning that there's a time and place for them because they can be very triggering and um, they have to be so incredibly mindful. But it was during a hands-on assist, actually, and it was my fault because I was feeling like, I was being guided way too far into this forward fold, wide-legged forward fold, but I wasn't saying anything mm-hmm. because, you know, I was sort of engaged in this, this this situation where I, I wasn't consenting to being guided into this forward fold, but I didn't want to speak up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then this, this young learning teacher who was learning in the room Um, he and I both heard that clunk of my hamstring. (laughs) (laughs) And then I learned in that moment that you've got to speak up, you know, when you, when your body is sending you a message, you've got to respond. And if you don't, there will be consequences.
1: Yeah. Can, can we just give ourselves permission to do 10% less instead of 10% more, you know, Mm -hmm. even in that forward fold? Could we come out of it maybe just 10% and see what that experience is like? And would that be enough and feel good as opposed to pushing ourselves and allowing others to push us into areas where we might get injured?
0: I think it takes a lot of bravery. It takes a commitment, again, to what we're feeling, to what we're talking about today. It takes a commitment to our own worth and our own experience first. because symbolically when everybody else in the yoga room is forcing their knee to their nose and you're basically sitting vertically because honestly this is where you can keep your spine long that takes guts to do that when everybody else around you is doing something else yeah but i think that's the wisest yogi in the room you know well yeah and i think that's the heart of what we're talking about today it takes guts when you should be working in this hour, but you're going to go for a walk Mm -hmm. because you're committed to your own mental health. You're committed to your own physical health. It's not always possible, but something is usually possible. Mm -hmm. Something that serves us so that we can serve others.
1: Yeah. And I wish we could create a movement of celebrating and applauding others when we see them do that. You know, so often I see, There she goes in the middle of the day, going to yoga, like the rest of us have to slave away and, or whatever it is, you know, comparing because somebody has good boundaries or somebody has good practices that support them, then we want to tear them down or we want to bring them down to our level of, because we're not doing those things for ourselves.
0: Actually, I totally remember that. I totally remember that when I first got so into yoga because I had, you know, a circle of acquaintances and then I got so into yoga mm-hmm. and I remember a woman saying to me, oh, I wish I had time to go to yoga. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling, oh, just, yeah, like I wasn't, I wasn't achieving to the same level that I should have been, mm-hmm. but you know, I I didn't have the same kind of work that that she had. But yes, I remember that affecting me, actually. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And now we know that anytime that we're judging somebody else, it is our own shadow. It's something that we're not allowing for ourselves, or it's something that we've been taught is unsavory in some way to take care of ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I would invite. I would invite, decide what makes you feel good. We all know. We all know when we, when we eat it, that this makes us feel good. When we think this, this makes us feel good. When we read that, that makes us feel good. When we watch that or listen to that, it makes us feel good. Mm -hmm. And we all know what, what doesn't make us feel good. Mm -hmm. So maybe in the coming weeks and next week, it can be about committing a little bit more to those endeavors that support your vitality and, and your happiness and just see what happens.
1: Yeah. And celebrating others when you see them doing it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. What are you going to do now for the rest of the day? Is there one thing that you're going to do to make you feel good?
1: I am going to go to the studio and go to meditation and teach a public <laughs> yoga class.
0: Oh, that always makes me feel so good. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then I'm going to go to bed by nine o'clock. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Well, because of our time difference, it's earlier in the day for me. So right after um, we finish here, I am getting outside because the sun is shining and I can't wait to go for a wonderful, wonderful walk. And then, yeah, and then I'll feel better for what i need to accomplish for the rest of the day
1: Hmm. that sounds amazing
0: well thanks as always for sharing a conversation with me amy
1: yes it's the highlight of my day so far
0: all right well happy new month happy first day of november and i will speak to you next week all right love you i love you thank you for listening to the radiant warrior podcast If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it.
1: And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.